Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Anything we do in life, if people begin to praise us, if we become popular, We have to be very careful that we know how to handle success. And typically, it's more dangerous for a younger person because they've not failed enough. I've always wondered in our lives why God picked certain days and times and times to elevate and other times to not and then other times to elevate and other times. I have no idea. But I know somehow behind it, God knows that if He elevates us too soon or too often, we can't handle it and we'll be useless. Sometimes when Christians see a successful, charismatic figure, they may hope for that person's salvation. The thinking is that because of that person's popularity that they're coming to a saving knowledge of Christ, we'll show the world that Christianity can be cool too. This ignores Jesus' warning to his disciples that the world would hate them. Pastor Mark will be teaching that David's popularity would be fleeting too. One moment, he will become an enemy of the state with a price on his head. He kept on being faithful to God, though, and God honored this and blessed him at the right time. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 18 as he continues in his series called The Life of David. Now, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and desires. Here's the last two verses. Since we live by the Spirit, let's just simply keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So back to 1 Samuel 18, we see that contrast in the lives of these two men, David and King Saul. Now look at verse 12 again. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. Saul doesn't have the Spirit of God. That's what's he have in him. Jealousy, hatred, bitterness. He wants to kill. David is full of the Spirit. And as we said, he has gentleness, meekness, self-control, and the rest. Now look at verse 13. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their command. In everything he did, speaking of David, he had great success because the Lord was with him. I want you to write this statement down. Our success in life is related directly to our relationship with God. Now, don't, don't take success in life as success in the world. Success in life is doing the will of God, having peace and purpose and fulfillment, expanding the kingdom of God, and God blesses us in a million other ways along the way. It's not a worldly success. 
It's not on somebody's list or how many cars you have, big hold, boats, whatever, retirement, all that It has nothing really to do with any of that. Success is doing the will of God because that's where his pleasure is. That's where success is. That's where fulfillment is. That's exactly where David is. Now, how we handle success in life is critical. Now, when we're praised, when we're popular, what's the danger? What's the danger for David right now? David's a young man. What's the danger for David right now? To let it all go to where? His head. He has a head to look at. A big head to look at. It's King, King Saul's head is what? Keeping getting smaller and smaller. He's got nothing in his head now. It's just, he's useless. But remember the head that David had? Whose head was it? Goliath. He knows what happens to big heads. It's a good reminder for us tonight. The danger is to let it go to the head. So all of us, we have to think about that tonight. So think about what's happening. David's a young guy, and he's going to have to learn to handle success. Anything we do in life, if people begin to praise us, if we become popular, we have to be very careful that we know how to handle success. And typically, it's more dangerous for a younger person because they've not failed enough. I've always wondered in our lives why God picks certain days and times and times to elevate and other times to not and then other times to elevate and other I, I have no idea. But I know somehow behind it, God knows that if he elevates us too soon or too often, we can't handle it and we'll be useless. And so those of you that are younger guys, I talk to this a lot to the young guys on staff because they're in a church where God's blessing is amazing. All these campuses and all these people and all the ministry and all the influence we have. It's amazing. We have to be very careful. Never goes to our head. It goes to the head, not to our head. It's God. Here's what we'll learn from David. David is teachable. David is humble. His motives are right and his actions are right. So he doesn't let it go to his head. Look at verse 15. Now when Saul saw how successful he was, here we go again, he was afraid of him. This jealousy is raging in Saul's heart. That's what jealousy does. It becomes an obsession with him. Now, you're going to watch, and it's hard for us to imagine it can happen, but you're going to watch what Saul is going to try to do now because he's jealous of David. See, he's the older man, and his popularity is just plummeting. It's plummeting. Here's this young guy. Everything he touches goes to good. Everybody sings about him. And he's rising. And Saul can't handle it. Look at verse 16. But all Israel and Judah love David. So it's not just in a few people. It's not just some of the ladies coming out and dancing and singing for David. It's the whole nation of Judah love him. Why? Because he led them in their campaigns. And Saul said to David, Here's my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. Now watch Saul's motive. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. Now, remember Saul had promised to whoever would kill Goliath, what was one of his promises? He got this bonus tax thing that we just got through, Obama's bonus tax thing. Got this additional money coming into him. What else was it? His daughter. He'd give him the king's daughter, and that would happen. So he's now going to do what he promised to do, but he has an evil motive. 
Notice what his motive is. He's going to put David out there more and more into the campaigns, into the army, so that hopefully the Philistines will take care of his problem. He'd have to throw one more javelin. The Philistines will kill him. What a sad father who's going to manipulate his own daughter as a tool. You'll see this twice. As a tool to get rid of David. Now, as you move through this, Saul's going to say, I'm going to challenge David to go out and be that warrior for us. I'm going to give him my daughter. But as he goes out, I'm praying that as he's out there, that the enemy's going to come and kill him for me. Now, it's interesting. Think about this for a moment. When David got caught with his sin with Bathsheba, what did David do with Bathsheba's husband? The very same thing. That was the time that he was not after God's own heart. That was the time when he wouldn't admit his sin. So see, it's interesting because he remembers this and he uses the same evil tactic to try to get Uriah killed. It failed. It failed here. Verse 18, David said to Saul, who am I? What is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So there's two things. David's being humble and he's being honest. Number one, he comes from an average family. He doesn't have any hierarchy. How, how in the world can I ever be part of the king's family or whatever? And second, marriage in those days required a dowry. Lots of money. David doesn't have any money. He's a shepherd. And so he says, our family isn't worth being related to a king. And number two, I don't, I don't have any money to pay for your daughter, so I'm going to decline. Verse 19, so when the time came for Mirab, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to Adriel of Meholelah. Evidently, another suitor came along, maybe had the bucks or whatever. We don't really know what happened. And Saul backed out of his promise, gave his daughter to another man. And then Saul hears some really encouraging news through the rumor wheel about his younger daughter. Look at verse 20. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, was in love with David. We didn't hear about that with the first daughter. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. Now why is he pleased? He's going to get another shot at this. Watch this. I will give her to him, he thought. Look at the motive. So that she may be a snare to him so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you can have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Now I want to speak to you, some of you dads. If you have a daughter that's a little rambunctious, be careful. Don't use her as a ploy. I'm just joking with you tonight. Saul, look how far that evil has taken him. Both his daughters, he wishes their husband to be killed in battle. What a miserable father. That's his heart. The jealousy has destroyed him. Now, verse 22. Then Saul ordered his attendants. Now speak to David privately and say, so he's working the back door of it. He's working the back door of it. And say, Lord, look, the king is pleased with you. And his attendants, all like you, now become his son-in-law. And they repeated these words to David. But here comes David again, humble. 
David said, do you think it's a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. Now, he isn't lying. David has that sense about him. I'm just a guy that plays music for the, for the king. God help me in one battle. That's all I've ever done. I'm a shepherd boy. It's a blessing to be here in the service of the king. But again, I have no other way to pay for this, so I can't do it. Verse 24, when Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride. So he's going to tell him how much. I don't want any other price. I want any more of your money than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on the enemies. What was Saul's plan? Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistine. Now, isn't the Bible amazing? It simply tells it like it is. Now, Michael wasn't registered at the bridal apartments of Target or Kohl's. You couldn't find this online, I guarantee you. So Saul says to David, here's, here's the diary. And the bride price is a hundred Philistine foreskins. What is Saul hoping? How do you get a foreskin from a Philistine? Do they go, here's my foreskin? You have to what? You have to kill him. So he's hoping as he's being killed, maybe number 56, he doesn't get so lucky. And David gets what? David gets killed. That's exactly what he's after. So understand that's his goal. He's hoping that as David goes out in battle and gets wrapped up in all this crazy stuff, of course, they're all going to be dead. He's hoping one of the guys isn't dead or thinks he's dead. He isn't dead. When he goes to take the foreskin, he's dead now. Verse 26. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, in other words, it had to be like, you know, 22 days or something. We don't know what the time was. David and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. And he brought their foreskins and presented them in the full number to the king. Sometimes we like to see the Bible visually. This is one time we're not really interested in seeing the Bible visually. (laughs) He brought the foreskins and he presented them to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter, Michael, in marriage. The second scheme of King Saul failed. Even in this, David does more than ask of him. He goes the second mile. He probably knows in the background, since the javelin deal, what Saul's real heart is, but he's still trusting in God. So he just goes and does what the right thing was. Now, verse 28, when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter, Michael, loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. Saul's hatred and fear of David just continued to grow, jealousy totally destroying David's life, is totally destroying Saul's life. He is now imprisoned by jealousy. Verse 30, the Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle, and as often as they did, David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers, and his name became 
well known. So God continues. David hasn't done anything wrong. God continues to elevate him because David's acting with godly motives. He's humble. He's dependable. He's a man of integrity. And yet Satan continues to destroy him. Now, when you think about this, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. That's all we're going to do there tonight, but I just have two more things I want to talk to you about. I want you to think about the life of David for a moment tonight. And this is just the beginning of his troubles. Very often, In our lives, we've struggled with this. Other people ask us this question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, the answer is because we're in a spiritual warfare. And Satan is out to destroy us. Anyone that says to you, only bad things happen to me, how can they never happen to good people? Well, they do happen to good people all the time. If you look at the cross behind me, God's son was perfect had bad things happened to him. And so as you look at the life of David tonight, this is just the beginning. Javelins thrown at him. One wife is given away. The second wife you're going to see in a moment, Michael is going to turn out to eventually be a disaster for him. People are always after him. People trying to kill him. For all these years, he has to run to the enemy camps. So when you begin to think about that, how are we going to handle that? How are we going to handle that stuff in life? So Romans chapter 8, go down to verse 28. And we know, and we always have to go back to this verse, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? And we sang that song tonight. If God is for us, who can be against us? You know this is my statement. You don't need to write it down if you've written it down before. But if you haven't, it'd be good for you to put it in your Bible. Here's my statement. Since God is for us, it doesn't matter who Or what is against us? That's what David is discovering. God is going to protect David and bring him into the kingdom. David has no idea the things that are going to happen to him. Just like Joseph had no idea of the things that were going to happen to him. But God did know. He had already predestined him to be there. And God is going to do this. And he's going to work things out no matter how strong the great the adversary God's going to work things in our life, in your life tonight, for good. That gives me hope, and it gives you hope. If you're a believer tonight, anything that comes into your life, no matter what it is, is coming through the loving hands of God. His whole goal is not to give us an easy life. It's a goal to make us like his son. That's the whole deal. Look back at verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to conform to the likeness of his son. That's the goal. It's not to make us happy. It's not to make us rich. It's not to make us fulfilled. He does almost all of those things for us. But in the process, he's in the process of making us conform to the image of God. To do that, he has to allow some difficult things to come into our life. So he sets in motion his providence, and he's at work in causing all those things to bring us to maturity, and of course, eventually, to heaven. So... 
Tonight, maybe you're wondering, you're in one of those things, you're kind of like David, people have been throwing javelins at you, and you've been good, and you're trying to do things with excellence, you don't understand why there's a sickness, or something happens at work, or there's a money situation, or whatever. Look, just write this next statement down. Since God is for us, we will be successful. You trust God. All of us can look back in our past. We all question the very same thing I just talked about. There isn't anybody in this room when bad things happen, you wonder, well, God, what in the world are you doing here? We've all been there. By the way, good news, we'll all be there again. This is what life is. In this world, we just have difficult times. David is just starting this. So many people think that because they're experiencing trials or troubles that God's against them. That's not true. God is for us. He's for us. And he'll provide what we need. And you understand that through these trials, life is not fair. But God is good. He's for us. We don't understand him, but don't let the enemy say, well, God's against you. He is not against you. He's for you. And he will work those things out. Now, this statement you need to understand quickly. Psalms 37, 23 says it like this. The steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. The details of your life tonight, in my life, when things go bad, I go, God, where are you? You can't, there's no way you know this is happening to me. No, 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 no. Every detail of my life, God's orchestrating. And he orchestrates it just right. You have to learn that God is in control. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean no one's against me? No, I didn't say no one was against you. I said it doesn't matter who's against you. By the way, is there anybody against us tonight? Satan's against me. He's against you. All kinds of people are against us. You understand that. And a million circumstances can be against us. But it doesn't matter. Because the God who's for me is the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the nothing-is-impossible God. That's the God that's for you tonight. I want you to turn to one psalm when we're finished, Psalm 27. David wrote it as he goes through his life, and I hope this will be an encouragement to you tonight, no matter what's happening, not to pick up a javelin, not to try to get even, and just walk in step with the Spirit. Psalm 27, I just want to read three verses. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now remember, David wrote this. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Why? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark showed the contrast between who Saul was following and who David was following. 
Saul, who was doing what his flesh wanted, became increasingly depressed, jealous, and fearful. David, who was following God's will, was finding success after success. Even though he was offered the perks of being part of the royal family, he remained humble. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This wraps up this installment of the teaching, The Life of David. Next time, Pastor Mark will teach you about David's learning to suffer for doing the right thing. You'll hear about Saul's many attempts to get David killed by the Philistines and God's granting David victory. You'll hear how these lessons can and do apply to your own life and how you can be victorious as well. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for joining us and thank you for tuning in. Join us next time for another edition of Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.